Welcome to Jurassic World. Guests, welcome to the Jurassic World Minute, where we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Coming next year, book your tickets to witness the mighty Pepsosaurus. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. <laughs> and on this minute, we're looking at minute 13 of Jurassic World. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Find out what the hell, <laughs> what the hell a Pepsosaurus is even going to look like. Uh, but David, before we get to that, let's go over to Jurassic-Pedia.com. We have. Uh, an article up here for Vivian Krill. Um, again, not knowing all that names on IMDb and the credits, but we don't get it in the actual film itself. But um, mm. Vivian, one of the technicians here in Jurassic World, uh, all her scenes are here in the control room, and uh, assumably she jumps on that uh, cruise ship at the end of the movie, never to be seen of again. Yeah. So the, uh, the article here on... Uh, sort of pretty much goes through her role in the film from the start here in the control room to the end where she gives that hug to Lowry. Uh, sorry, and I have weird, a boyfriend. <laughs> weird, awkward hug. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't know it was like, serious between you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good moment. I can't wait until we get to that because there's been no chemistry or nothing between them for the whole film and then he yeah, just leans in. <laughs> And we'll talk about that because apparently, um, La- the actor, I can't remember, what's, what's the actor's name? Jake Johnson. Oh, yeah, Jake Johnson said that he improvised that moment. <laughs> and so the awkwardness is kind of real because nobody knew that was going to happen. And so he kind of just goes up and hugs her. And it's like, okay, we're doing that. Surely he must have told Colin or someone that, um, even the camera guy just keep filming when he says cut because I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm sure. But, I mean, she she didn't know her actress. And that always gets the best reactions from people. Mm-hmm. When, when people don't know something's about to happen. That that Just that look of adamant surprise. Well, that's, a, of course, in the true Spielbergian fashion where Spielberg loves the improvisation in the right moment because it's something that uh, he did on E.T. where with where Drew Barrymore looks underneath the table off camera and says, "I don't like his feet," and Spielberg liked it, so he had her do it again on camera. <laughs> uh, working with child actors probably didn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that's the uh, that's the write up for Vivian over at drastic-pedia.com. Uh, one thing we've been lacking is actually looking at the actual actors themselves. Um, so we're going to mm-hmm. start doing that now. We'll we'll touch back in with Ty Simpkins and Zach. <laughs> I can't recall. Yeah, yeah. they're with us throughout <laughs> the movie, so we can pick that pick up on them anytime. Yep, yep, and even uh, Karen, the mother as well. We'll, we'll look back at yeah. them. But uh, Laura Lumpkus uh, here over on IMDb. One of the good things about Jurassic World that I'll credit to is most of these actors I had not seen at all before the film came out, so there's no... Unlike uh, Chris Pratt, where uh, you've seen him as... Um, as uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Star-Lord. Uh, yeah, Star-Lord, that's the one. Um, that Parks and Rec and all that sort of stuff, like trying to distance, and even at the time... I don't know if it was pre-Jurassic World or post-Jurassic World, there was the fan art going around of him dressed up in the fedora and leather jacket and the campaign for him to be the next indie. Um, mm-hmm. It was happening as well, but Laura Lumpkus is someone that I did not know before and really uh, post-Jurassic uh, World. I haven't seen any of the stuff she's been in. Yeah, I've not seen anything her in anything actually prior to this or after even. Now, I mean, not like quite like Jink Johnson, where I've seen him in a couple things before, uh, before uh, Jurassic World, but not really a real known actor, I'd call him. And it's kind of I do agree that I do got to commend his use of those kind of actors that weren't really known before, but became known after this. Mm, yeah, and in, also too. Chris Pratt, I don't think Guardians had come out when he was cast as um, as Owen here, so does, but he had done other stuff before that. I think yeah, been... Park, Parks and Recreation, I know, was a popular discussion when um, his name first came up on as uh, being in the movies. Yeah, and his star definitely blew up once uh, Guardians came out then his film. Mm-hmm. But I will, uh, I will credit Lauren. She is aging quite well because... This um, you start getting to a time where you start seeing people that are younger than you. She's two years younger than me, and I, I feel pretty young at heart too. But um, and that was in uh, 2015. So yeah, that's the um, IMDb for Lauren. Um, the other one he we mentioned before, Jake Johnson. But we'll have a look at uh, Lowry first over or Lowry over at uh, drastic-pedia.com as well. Again, technician for Jurassic World's control room. Uh, full write-up here of his uh, uh, <laughs> hijinks in the film. Um, <laughs> and it's good here too, because they've actually got Pepsi Sauce and Tocidodon. I was going to ask you what the hell that is, and I still will when we get to it. But <laughs> All uh, his stuff. I I would have much preferred him to return in Fallen Kingdom than Franklin, but I think Franklin brought something a little bit different, more of a manic... Uh, Manic um, character there, but mm-hmm. sadly, again, we see him sort of shut down that control room at the end of the film, and that's the last we see. Um, although hinted, maybe possibly returning for Dominion. It is on his IMB, IM, uh, IMDb, but I'd, I'd kind of regard IMDb as the Wikipedia of movie. <laughs> Uh, sites, in fact, I think is kind of worse because they don't even need to uh, source anything. And so it's, you can, I like, um, for example, on Joe Mazzello's page, he's been 
in dress. He's uh, he's been slated to appear in Dominion on again and off again. The people keep adding it in, and then people keep taking it out. And it's just like when you so whenever you so happen to land on the page, it's, it's there or not, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the Lowry article over at dressdashpedia.com, looking at uh, Jake Johnson's IMDb here. Um, again, someone I hadn't really known of before uh, Jurassic World. I know he's done some voice stuff here and there. The uh, Spider-Man in the Universe, and that is one of the Peter Parkers in there. Um, I did recognise him in the new Mummy film that not a lot of people have seen. So <laughs> <laughs> um... I saw it once and did not care for it, care for it at all, and did not bother to watch it again. So that's all I'll say about the new Mummy movie. <laughs> But I do know that I had I did recall him from Twenty One Jump Street. He's the principal in the first Twenty One Jump Street movie, which is like a kind of buddy buddy cop buddy cop comedy. Say that five times fast <laughs> with um with uh darn what's his name um here hold on I got I gotta go to it I'm sorry <laughs> I'm blanking on names tonight um but. The wrestler guy, not not uh, John Cena. Let me let me bring it up. It'll just be easier if I bring it up. Right. We, can delete, we can delete all this when we're done. No, while you're doing that, um, he Jonah. He is... there, that's it. It was Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. It was a buddy cop. He 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 was the school principal in the movie that where they basically go on undercover at a high school to uncover the source of uh, this new drug coming out. Oh, I was just going to... I just had to scroll back up to look his age because I thought if he's playing a principal, he'd seem pretty young for you and the principal, but he's in his early 40s, so... Yeah. Um, 67 credits to his name. Again, seeing some stuff here that's familiar. Most of it's post... Uh, Post-Jurassic World. I do mm-hmm. love how uh, he and Vivian do return for voices in the uh, Indominus Rex Escape, the Jurassic World yeah, Lego I... stuff. I always appreciate seeing people um, return, reprising their roles for an animated role, and then in the studio, not just cheaping out and finding a B B list actor to kind of fill in who sounds vaguely like him, but <laughs> you just know it's not him. Yeah, yep. But that's uh, that's Lowry slash Jake Johnson. Why are the West Plains closed? Another packy roaming outside his zone, but he's fully sedated and ready for relocation. Pepsi Sars, Tostito Dome. Security said the invisible fences were a no-fail. That is the second time this month. Well, the packies short out their implants when they butt heads. How much longer until they get it out of there? He just got five milligrams of carfentanil. Yes, he's very stoned. So why don't we show a little sympathy? I mean, you do understand these are actual animals, right? David, ready to get into minute 13. Yeah. As we're in minute 12 of Jurassic World, Claire just announced to Vivian and Larry that Indominus Rex was going to be sponsored by Verizon. As we transition into minute 13, Larry continues a rant. Just let the major corporations name the dinosaurs. They already own all the major ballparks. At the two second mark, Claire interrupts him and points to the map. Why are the Western Plains closed? Vivian tells her that the Packies have been buttonheads again and shorting out their implants. Claire asks how long it'll take to get the animal out of there. But Vivian, sympathetic for the animal, says he's just had five millimetres of carbon amphium. He's going to be knocked out for a while. 
At the 30 second mark, after Larry asks Claire if she knows that they're real animals, she tells him to clean up his workspace. It's chaotic. Larry likes to think of it as a living system. Just enough stability to keep it from collapsing into anarchy. At the 43 second mark, Claire moves a bin over under Larry's desk, knowing that something's about to happen. And on cue, he reaches for a dinosaur and knocks a soda cup off his desk. At the 52nd mark, Claire starts to walk out of the control room, leaving Larry to get his spilt cup out of the bin. Over the PA, we can hear that Jurassic 1 is inbound. Five minutes. At the 52nd mark, we cut back outside and a view of the helicopter approaching the command building. And as the minute ends, the shot's reversed, giving us a beautiful view out over the visit of the lagoon as the helicopter comes in to land. As we continue into minute 13, uh, Larry's was telling Claire, <laughs> just to give him a little, the company's name, the dinosaurs, and he continues here, sort of just talking to himself. Um, oh no, that they've already got all the ballparks, uh, why stop here? That's when we cut to Claire as she looks uh, concerned as it comes across her face and um, why the Western Plains closed. So only now she's noticed that uh, there is an issue in the park. Um, we get a shot up at that map again with a red section in the northwest corner and Vivian tells her that the, uh, another packy has been roaming outside its zone. But it's okay, it's fully sedated and ready for relocation. Mm-hmm. And something going on here on the screen here that I never particularly liked is that it's incredibly blue. And so I kind of took it upon myself to go and edit a screenshot of the Pachycephalosaurus here and uh, into kind of more quote-unquote normal colors because it kind of bleaches out a lot of the detail, but you can actually see it in the color it's supposed to be seen in. And it is the it is the the Lost World Pachycephalosaurus, but it's just big, <laughs> bigger. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be that size. I mean, I know that Pachycephalosaurus was bigger than the juveniles we see running around in the Lost World, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I mean, this one seems excessive even for fossil record standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of. We mentioned it back when we first seen this map. Like just the fact that everything is in that weird blue, blues and whites. There's no, mm-hmm. no definition in color at all. And interestingly enough, I actually that tweet, I tweeted it out and then got a, a lot of traction on that with Twitter. <laughs> nice. Um, I sort of wonder here too why Claire's Claire seems upset. If it's more so because the area is closed. Or if there's been incidents before with the packies, because Vivian adds that it's fine, the animal's safe, and yeah. So I wonder if there's been any incidents with the packies, or if they've just been fighting each other. Oh, we do know that they do. I think it was the was it the Masranis, and I'm mean, the uh, viral site of the Jurassic World one that said that the packies like to fight each other and then short out their um. Their tracking thing, their tracking implants, and that how that's how they get out of they get out of their range, so to speak. Yeah, well, Vivian says that in a minute, so all right, we can talk about all that when we get there. But that's when we cut back to Larry, who's running off possible new dinosaur names, and we get the Pepsisaurus and the. Uh, you can say it because I can't. <laughs> what's the other one? Tostitodon. Yeah, what's what's that reference to? Tostitos are a brand of 
flavor of uh, corn chips here in the United States. They're owned by Doritos and um, who is in turn owned by Frito Lay Company. And they're bas- they're basically just uh, corn chips that are popular at parties with uh, cheese dips and stuff like that. Well, there's a second a second name that's been just modified a little bit. We had Verizon when I thought it was Horizon, but play on words there, and now we've got Tadidos and one just called Doritodon. <laughs> anyway, well, it's interesting because I know that Doritos did do a um a what was it, it was a um oh, why am I blanking on this tonight? Well, I'm they sorry. did one. They I've, did I've one. been up for a couple hours, <laughs> almost eighteen hours now, fifteen hours. I'm- but yeah, it's uh, they did a uh, food stuffs with uh, Doritos and there's a bunch of weird kind of flavors that Fallen, they did with Fallen Kingdom. Mm. I collected some of those packets. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprisingly we got some of those Doritos here as well. But yeah, we sort of cut back to Claire who seems angry. She says uh, security said the invisible fences were a no fail. That's the second time this month. We don't really see much of the Invisible Fence program they've got running here, but obviously they've got stuff set up um, in the uh, valley. We're going to see later with the Gyrosphere and that mm-hmm. Invisible Fences to keep some of the, uh, not so much the more aggressive herbivores, but probably some of the herbivores that shouldn't be <laughs> near each other apart. Um, and that's where, where Vivian explains that um, they short out because of the packies butting heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're... Um... Sorry, I remember. Oh yeah, the the invisible fences are kind of a I would consider more humane than basically setting running ten thousand volts through a some high tension wire and letting the animals figure it out them for themselves. It's that whole free range debate. The animals are out yeah. open air, and they've and the guests being able to see them, take photos and all that stuff without, as you said, cables and fences and everything mm-hmm. blocking the way. Yeah, well, I also think that it'd be a bit because basically. My assumption is that it goes along with the tracking implants. It's just basically gives them a little prick when they when they get too close to their when they basically enter range, basically like a shot collar does with a dog. Now, when you get a, a, a invisible fence and you installed into your house, and it basically it's just like I mean, it's basically a harmful. It's basically a little prickle, like when if you stick your finger in a uh, broken light bulb when it's still. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a tickle. It it kind of is uncomfortable but it's not painful you know it makes you go away because you're not expecting that feeling hmm. and you just learn that because that feeling is uncomfortable not to do it again <laughs> oh, that's happened to me Versus, a couple of times <laughs> was that it's happened to me a couple of times <laughs> same i'd say that's uh contrary to say like i said ten thousand volts Shoved base, shoved through you, which could almost potentially stop a small animal's heart. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Especially if they're entangled in or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, this is where we get the shot on the uh, the screen of those vets working on that packy. Um, we only get a couple of vets here. I don't. Was this where you took that screen cap from, or was it from was it? somewhere else in yeah. the film? Cause no, I, I, yeah, I took it from here, and then I just kind of cropped it. Because um, in that in that photo, you can see there's about six or seven vets um, mm-hmm. attending to the animal. I'm guessing a couple of them are probably trainees, maybe um, in that paleo veterinary program mm-hmm. on Ireland. Um, but they all seem to be in that classic Harding uniform: the khakis, yeah. the hat. Yeah. 
it's interesting though where they have they're just kind of pulled off to a side almost looks like it might be a service road or something that they just run along and that they just sedated her and uh basically let her roam until she dropped and then went and got her mm. yep and we can see the back of the uh the unimog ambulance mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're going to get in an action scene from later on the film as well mm-hmm. um Claire asks how much longer until they can get it out of there, and Vivian says that uh, we just got five milligrams of curfentanil. Thank you. It's the same stuff that they pump the Rex with and makes him get sleepy in uh, The Lost World. So a little call back there. Was that ten? I'm pretty sure... Did they give... Um... What the dosage? Because Sarah goes on, you go, you administered it without knowing a dosage. But I think we just they, get the two darts, don't we? We get the two darts. I think I maybe the the engine guard mentions a dosage, but it was definitely a lot bigger than five milligrams. I think. Yeah, yeah. But how old have to be T Rex versus this packy? But yeah. Ball that might explain why the T Rex woke up early too. If it was if it was five. <laughs> um, but uh, Larry butts in and says uh, he's very stoned, um, so <laughs> we show a little bit of sympathy. Um, interesting, they both mention he, so this is probably our first instance in the film that uh, we do have males on the island as well as females. Well, that's interesting because I do know that um, that the the Jurassic World viral site did mention that the um, there was both male and female animals in the park. And that they did a kind of limited breeding program with them. In fact, I think there's even mentioned that there were male tyrannosaurs in the park as well, and that they often mistook Rexy's mating call and tried to basically ram their cage to get to her. But it's we never actually see the males in the movie. I mean, we never actually see any kind of sexual dimorphism going on between any of the animals except for the pteranodon where the females have a shorter crest. Mm. Yeah, and it's sort of the whole viral marketing. I know, I do recall Colin said at one stage that um, all the animals have been sterilized and that's why that's their uh, population security and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Although that changed <laughs> again. I think that what or what was blamed for the change was that well we're just not in control and they've still found a way to do it so life found a way. But the other thing is that remember in um, the first novel Arnold Ray Arnold explains that they'd simply call all their some of their animals male just because they I mean they kind of explain it. it's like I can't even remember why they how they explain it but it's like they just call them male because they're just used to calling them that and so. Rexy, she becomes a he a lot. Yep. yep. And it's kind of interesting because there's always the, um, that kind of, where, um, they're like, there's the quote where T Rex doesn't want to be, a, uh, be fed, he wants to hunt. Mm. That Grant says, and then people always say, oh no, she's a she. I'm like, well, just lay off, guys. It's, they call him a he in the, in the, not in the novel, so I'm gonna really take <laughs> bent out of shape about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we get, that's the thing, we get the whole naming convention, Nick carrying the baby, he's got a broken leg, let's get him in the car, uh, yeah. Muldoon, clever girl, it's, it's yeah, all over the place. 
<laughs> and you is remember you I mean you brought that up the baby T-Rex how they refer to him as both genders and it's again I mean it's just a case of who prefers which gender cuz they don't they've never seen a T-Rex before they don't know what a male versus a female looks like and we I think we even talked about that during that minute during the lost world minute mm. well no one's gone around looking under the dinosaur skirts <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and that's with animals. We do the same thing with cars and everything else as well. So, Boats. Yep. Yep. Um, Larry turns to Claire and uh, starting to sound like Larry. Lowry starts to turn, <laughs> turn to Claire and uh, says, you do understand these are actually animals, right? And Claire sort of looks at him for a moment and uh, before she uh, looks at his area and she says, uh, clean up your workspace. It's chaotic. And we sort of have that pause there just to uh, for her to find the right word. It is kind of unfortunate that that nobody kind of that she kind of just brushes him off on on that um on that whole concept is this like you know they're animals and then she's changed she abruptly changed the subject and that's kind of a thing a recurring thing within this movie is her starting to kind of sympathize with the animals more and more. But it's unfortunate because so many characters in this mo- in this movie just kind of consider these animals to be basically nothing more than a product. And there's kind of how low, um, excuse me, Ludlow kind of thought of the animals as well is basically they're just numbers. They're a profit margin. You know, they're not actually living things. They're just something that something that you either Either have are either alive or they're dead, and if they're making me money, that's good. If they're not, kill it. Hmm. And it's unfortunate because I kind of admit I kind of sometimes think about that when I'm at work, and I work in the garden center at the hardware store, and I'm seeing how they just mistreat the plants. Like, oh, it's just a it's just a plant. Don't worry about it. Well, these plants are living beings. I mean, they still actually they take in, they still taken a form of food they still breathe they still, i mean they're they're living and people just treat them like they're basically a rock <laughs> oh there'll be another pellet coming in tomorrow <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah they don't consider that living thing well, not so much in the case of plants but living animals have instincts they have as and this is something that uh owen brings up later they ha- they they're alive and they're going to act as they're alive. Well, you can't just expect it to act how you want it to act. It's going to react to the world around it. Well, you bring up Owen. I remember back to Ellie. These, these are living things and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And that probably that really explains going back to why the Western Plains closed. The fact that um, we have an attraction and it's closed not so much because there's an asset there, but because uh, the tourists can't go and um, experience that, that attraction. Oh, exactly, yeah. And I was going to bring that up as well, why the Western Plains are closed, and again, why um, Clara doesn't like it, because if that attraction is closed, that means it's not making money, and if it's not making money, it's losing the profits, and the stockholders get mad, and, you know... Yeah, the whole consumer satisfaction thing as well. Exactly. Yeah. 
But it's sort of interesting here. She words uh, uses the word chaotic for uh, Lowry's workspace when, uh, of course, Malcolm's book's sitting there uh, in view <laughs> a couple of times. Um, Which is interesting. The next line that he has. Yeah, well, he turns to look around some of the stuff around his monitor, and uh, I, I, I like to think of it as a living system, just enough stability to keep it all from collapsing into anarchy. <laughs> Which is an Ian Malcolm concept from the book, where he basically he call yeah, I think he calls it Edge of Chaos, where light, where reality is basically strad, uh, always straddling this line between anarchy and order. Mm. Yep, yep. And I do love here too how we're starting to get that little tune start to play. Like you know something's going to happen here. Um, Claire uses a foot to slide the garbage can over beside his uh, workstation. Um, we get a shot here of her doing it, standing on one foot in heels. People have uh, issues with other heel scenes. Nothing's been brought up about <laughs> being able to stand on one leg <laughs> in heels. But uh, Larry extends his hand out to adjust some of his Trinosauruses uh, and uh, brushes past his takeaway drink container, and it falls off the table and into that waiting garbage can. Um, See? Educate us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, no one could predict that Dr. Grant would suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. <laughs> but he sort of he reaches in and pulls it out, and that's when uh, he looks up to see Claire's walking away. She's made her point and uh, sort of put him back in his spot here. <laughs> and as we cut to Claire walking through the control room, once again, um, see that big map. We get a voiceover to PA speakers, uh, inbound chopper, Jurassic 1, ETA 5 minutes, which is what she would have had on her mobile phone um, mm-hmm. earlier, and that's why she went to the control room. But uh, as she leaves the control room, we can see the map again, and the storm that we've seen earlier now looks like a hurricane, <laughs> the size of the <laughs> island. It, I don't know, there's some graphics going on there. I don't know what they were, what they were doing, but... Well, I think it's kind of a, um, and please don't get mad at me, internet, GIF, GIF, (laughs) whichever you want to call it. But yeah, I think it's a moving image that shows the the storm getting progressively bigger throughout the scene. And it just kind of loops back and forth of the storm as it is approaching the island, which, of course, we never actually get to see. Yeah, yep. But that's, uh, that's the end of scene one, and that's the end of the control room for now. Um, I think we've covered everything from the control room pretty well. Yeah. Um, as she walks off, you do see just how big <laughs> how big this place is. Um, a lot more workstations here, and multi-leveled as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when we cut to a wide shot of a helicopter approaching the command building. Uh, once again here, we're starting to see some CG issues. The, the mountain range that behind this uh, this building looks a little bit different to what we've seen earlier with the two flyovers of Main Street. Um, definitely in the in the trees. Um, I went back when we fly over Main Street both times. There's a, a fairly large clearing off to the side where here mm-hmm. it's pretty much surrounded by forest. Yeah, well, it's interesting because throughout this kind of shot i guess you'd call it throughout the movie you kind of get this shot here where and we see it again when rexy is close climbing up the hill and out of the helipad of it's all trees whereas the wide shots show that it's more it's um kind of more open plains 
And again, even the mountains themselves look kind of different, but they're more detailed and they're kind of got this cut in look to them that almost looks like uh, like a scraper went and scraped up the side and left indents of the teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So those predominant those ridges are sticking out. Um, I think more so here too with this shot. It, it's lit more where with the flyover stuff. I think the mountains are pretty much or mainly in shadow. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly, that might just be the fact that we're at a different time of the day, sun position, cloud cover, that sort of thing as well. But um, there's definitely some uh, some differences, and that's when we get a, a verse shot looking out over the lagoon here as well. We get our sort of first look, uh, the Mosasaur Arena down the bottom corner, mm-hmm. the Hilton on the other side of the lagoon, and some much larger um, buildings as well off in the distance, which we never really see or know what they are. Yeah, well, we do see it passing in front of um, the, what is that? That's um, T-Rex Kingdom right there. And, of course, passing over the bungalows that are next to that. In the background there, we do get, I think those are supposed to be, I, I know the further one, the larger one there is the hotel. What the other one, what the other large building there is, I'm not quite sure. Possibly a different hotel. But yeah, they've they've got like this whole giant hotel complex here that we uh, get to see this wide see in this wide shot. Yeah, it nearly looks like an asset copy and paste. I wonder if um if they're all Hilton. If we had the Isolunubla Hilton, and then they realised had to build bigger or <laughs> build more, so they just built a couple more. In the same same design. Honestly, I mean, they very well could be what they did. Yeah. Because yep. they do, uh, like, because like you said, they do have the Mosasaur Lagoon here, which we know is opposite the um, the the Hilton. It's got that fenced off area where the Mosasaur is, and so that I'd have to say that larger structure is definitely the um, the hotel, mm. but the large structure next to it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Have you got the uh, the screen cap open there? Yeah. Yeah. Does it look like the uh, the terraces for the the Hilton that have got grass, like the grass terrace as it you go up each level? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it does. That's what I thought. I, I thought I was confusing it with what we get later with the Fallen Kingdom shot, where everything's no, got no. grass over it. But... And I do recall the concept art also had grassy terraces. I think they're all just decorative plants there. Hmm. Yeah. But that's uh, that's where the minute ends. Um, again, it's just a great shot. It, it's good to see off in the distance too. You get sort of them big mountains out in the, the distance and that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I don't like about the shot, and I kind of discuss this, general. I mean, I not general discuss, but I kind of feel this way throughout the movie, is the yellow sky. And I have no idea what they're doing with the filters on this movie that is making it look like that. But yeah. I just. Do not like it. It <laughs> yeah, just looks yeah. so unnatural, and it's just like, wh- why would you make the filter look like the sky's yellow? <laughs> I, I don't really want to put it down to just inexperience from Colin or... Because he had a crew working on this. I, you'd have mm-hmm. to think it's deliberate. Well, he had Jason Schwartzman as his director of photography, and he filmed the, actual, the movie itself on 35mm actual digital film or not digital on actual 35 millimeter film hmm. 
so it is a conscious choice the way that they did things here and even with the various filters that they use throughout this movie it's just it doesn't look right you know yeah and i wouldn't say it's inexperienced so much as uh, as it's just they were trying to do something and it it just doesn't really work for me I mean, I know a lot of people who are fine with it, people who don't mind the look of this movie, but I personally just, it looks weird. Is is it across all media? Like, oh, the, the, um, that, that sort of, the filters on it, is that, um, like the DVD, Blu-ray, and what was mm-hmm. released in film, that's across all the media? It's not like Jurassic yeah. Park, where the v- VHS was different to the, um... Yeah, no, no, they've, they've kept this look throughout every release of this movie, uh, so it's it's definitely in, intentional. Oh, that's a shame. Over at the uh, novel comparisons, we still don't have anything until the uh, chopper lands. We, as we said before, we cut from uh, them in the innovation center, Claire meeting the kids directly to the uh, helipad. So, David, that has been minute thirteen. Anything else we mm-hmm. had before we get heavy today? No, I think we're pretty good. All right, lovely. 